I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, brothers and sisters of the world. We are distant by distance, but united by beer and football. So join us for a catch-up on all the week's Serie A drama. Round up the European action, our thoughts ahead of Juve Milan, another send-up of Inter's marketing team. Plus all your usual honourables and dishonourables, good week, bad week, for the Predictions League update on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to Scudetto. Uh, coming to you one day late this week due to the large volume of fantastic midweek games, which I'm looking forward to talking about shortly. Unfortunately, that does mean that we're recording during the Sassuolo and versus Torino game. Nil-nil uh, currently, just at the start of the second half, but we will come back to that later in the episode and give you a snap reaction. Obviously, we're not really watching it as we're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, should just quickly mention, before we go to the civilised beers section, uh, Kenny, as I predicted, you had an absolute shocker in the Tifosi Down Under Predictions League. Yeah, but I got the... One of the one of the results uh, called right that you were doubting. You did get a score spot on, but overall you did worse than me. So um, dishonorable, early. That's like scoring a wonder goal in a five-one defeat. <laughs> yeah, still celebrate it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure whose go it is to go first. Uh, I feel like we let Bars go first last week. So Kenny. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's Bars is. So to go first, Baz, Finally, how are you this week? I'm doing very well. It was the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur this week. And um, it, it mean, everyone, everything is shot. The roads are shot. So um, I ran 18 kilometers on the highway, which was quite exciting. Doesn't sound very exciting. Well, it's just nice to run somewhere where normally you'd never even get close to. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and what sort of beer are you drinking this evening? Um, I'm... I'm Cracking open one of these weird ones that I purchased towards the end of last season. And this is a sour wheat beer. And it's so fancy that it has a different name in Hebrew to the name in English. The mm. English name is Purplicious. And it's um, apparently it's got um, some sort of berry in it as well. So I'm probably going to hate it. But here goes nothing. What's the name in Hebrew? Magical Cassis. Mm. Complete no, no, rela- no relation to the, Hebrew, to the English name at all. Yeah, a little bit. Cassis isn't that uh, black current, which is purple. Okay, it's tenuous. Yeah, it's tenuous. They've obviously done some market research. Got names that appeal to different audiences. Uh, anyway, good. We'll look forward to hearing about that one later. Uh, Kenny, how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Oscar. We've had uh, workmen in in our house this this week, putting in a, a, a new bathroom. So it's been a bit of upheaval. But the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the guy the guy who was doing it, or one of the guys who was doing it, is uh, actually an Atalanta fan from just outside Bergamo. So he was uh, spitting feathers at some of the the refereeing decisions in the Atalanta Fiorentina game at the weekend, which I actually thought were were spot on. But um, I was going to say, did you yeah. put him right, and did you tell him yeah. you're also an Atalanta fan? Did you tell him to subscribe? 
to this podcast. Yeah. Did you tell him he was going to get sent up in the intro? I mean, I think this guy was a plumber. He might just have been a fan of the show. It turned up at my door. Who knows? Yeah, possibly. We'll find out in a couple of weeks if the uh, plumbing work is actually kosher. Anyway, um, uh, what have you got to drink? Yeah, so I feel like I'm slightly letting the side down here because I can't pretend that this is a, a craft beer. It's obviously still, I'm still on my non-alcoholic kick and the, the choice is quite limited. And obviously I had Brewdog for the last couple of weeks. So I've got myself a, a Peroni Libera, uh, which is Peroni's non-alcoholic beer. And it kind of tastes like quite a lot of the other uh, non-alcoholic lagers. It's uh, drinkable mm. and tastes a bit like beer. Yeah, it needs to be very cold, I find. Yeah. Um yeah, you've missed the memo in a couple of ways this evening because Boaz and I, obviously, there's no video on this podcast, both turned up in white t-shirts and we're both drinking wheat beers. I've got a uh, Kaski, which is a Finnish wheat beer from the Takatalo and Tompuri Brewery. So it's a new one, haven't had it before. Drunk a little bit of it already. It's, um tastes like wheat beer. Not, not much more to add. Nice one. I'll probably be back on the, the normal beers next week, so maybe I'll bring a, a wheat beer along and just be a week late on it. Okay. Make sure you wear your uh, white t-shirt as well. I will do. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about the Italian clubs in Europe this week um, because a bit of a mix, mixed results in the Champions League and the, Euro- the Europa League and also the uh, European Conference uh, Farmers League. Um, which which games did you uh, watch, Kenny? What who who do you think had the best week? And overall, was it a good or was it a bad week for Oof. Italian teams in Europe? Well, I mean, like you said, it was a, a mixed a mixed week. Um, I mean, I I caught most of the games to be honest. The ones that I didn't see live, uh, I had quite a bit of time available yesterday evening to kind of go back after the after the Napoli game to watch. Um, the extended highlights of quite a lot of the other ones. I mean, I think who played the best? Um, I mean, Napoli, really. Napoli absolutely played Leicester off the park. Uh, they were just astonishing. And Leicester were very good on the break. So, you know, I'm not I'm not saying they didn't deserve to score the goals they scored. But, uh, I mean, if Napoli had come away without anything from that game, it would have been a travesty. And Ossiman was just absolutely unplayable in, in that game. So even though they only got a draw, Napoli were probably the side that I was most impressed with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, some some good results there. Roma beating Seska uh, Sofia 5-1 in the, as you referred to it, the, the Farmers League. Juve as well, getting a comfortable comfortable win against Malmo. Although actually, start start of that, I would have said that Malmo looked like they were probably... Um, the more likely to score, but then kind of ended up uh, just capitulating really and some absolutely horrific uh, defending. But yeah, one of the games I watched live was the, the Atalanta game. And it, I, you're seeing signs that Atalanta are, are coming back as well. I mean, really mixed week. I'll, I'll leave Boaz to speak about the Milan game because that was an absolute cracker of a game as well. But yeah, just all round, despite the fact that there there weren't that many victories, I felt like there was quite a lot to kind of celebrate in the performance of uh, most of the Italian teams. Yeah, we, we should come to Boaz because... I mean, a disappointing result in the end at Anfield, but great to be back in the competition, right, Buzz? It was definitely exciting to hear that uh, infamous uh, theme song. And, uh, of course, uh, 
the actual game was very exciting, more so for the neutral probably. Overall, I think uh, undoubtedly the the better team won and uh, Liverpool's experience ultimately showed. Let's not forget that this is a team that won this competition just two years ago and uh, with largely the same squad that uh, they played last night or a few nights ago. And uh, whereas in contrast, Milan had um, six players debuting in the competition for the first time. To put that into uh, context, Divo Corrigi has more Champions League appearances than the entire starting eleven for Milan yesterday. But more <laughs> to the point, um, that's a good stat. As uh, referenced by our good friend Milan Obsession, Liverpool's uh, just their wage spending is almost twice as much as Milan's is. So Milan were really the underdog, and it sounds funny to say that about a club like Milan, but they were the underdog in this in this uh, game, and I think they acquitted themselves pretty well. They did give uh, Liverpool a slight scare, but ultimately, as I said earlier on, the the superior quality of the opposition showed. Overall, great signs and uh, some some great individual performances. Milan can leave this game with their held with their head held up high. Yeah, we look forward to seeing them in the re- in the return leg. Hopefully, you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic back to or Giroud. <laughs> yeah, one or the other back for that fixture. What did, what did you make of that one, Kenny? I mean, Boaz said that the the superior quality of the the opposition shone through. I mean, it was it was it was very very close. Milan could equally have uh, have gone on to to win that game as well. I mean, it undoubtedly Liverpool looked the stronger or were the stronger for forty two minutes or however many minutes it was of the, of the first half. Um, but you know, when when Milan were ahead, it's not like that. It's not like Liverpool looked like the only team likely to score. I mean, that had their chances as well. I think it's great to see them back in the competition. And I, I think one of the things that's been mentioned in it's one of the Italian radio shows that I listen to is that this is a you know this is like a starting point for for Milan. That when you look at the age of the team, they're building things in a different way, a more sustainable way. That you know, there's there's no need to to be downheartened at all by this. Some really really encouraging signs uh, and a, a a young team and things just really moving in the right direction for for Milan. Yeah, for sure. Um, we we should quickly mention how the other Milan side got on as well. Inter did look quite good against Real, didn't they? The, that that tackle from Skriniar was it on Vinicius that was being shared around on social media? Yeah, they they defended really well and. Um, yeah, just just not quite clinical enough. Yeah, Inter went in at half time, uh, and they should have been leading by maybe two goals or three goals even. And um, they started the second half slightly stronger than Real as well, but ultimately um, Real came strong towards the end and probably started to dominate the second half. Overall, uh, a draw might have been a slightly more fair result, but uh, Inter can leave this game with their heads held up high and with the the result the the result in the other game in this group um with Shakhtar Donetsk losing i think it it think it, this is not a big uh, drama and also in the past inter uh the last time they qualified from the groups they lost the first uh, game in the group so maybe it's a strange good omen yeah I, I mean that's kind of the theme of it isn't it and i know obviously you boys in particular will be keen to speak about the the lazio performance as well but um, that, that's kind of the theme. Even though Inter lost, even though Milan lost, even though Atalanta drew and became very close to to losing, were it not for a wonder save from Musso at the, at the death against Villarreal, 
they were all like really encouraging performances. I mean, Inter could have easily won that game. Milan were definitely, you know, not chasing that the the game the whole time at Anfield. Atalanta for the first half an hour of the first half and the first 15 minutes of the second half were absolutely bossing Villarreal. So, you know, only one only one of those teams got one point out of those, but nonetheless the performances were good. It was entertaining football and uh good football. And on the subject of Juventus, this is actually their first uh, clean sheet since uh, March. So, I, I mean, Oof. that's that's quite a scary stat wow. if you think about it and Okay, it came against uh, lowly Malmo, but it is a stepping stone for what what is to come. Yeah, and uh, should we talk about the one performance which can't really be described as as very good? Lazio looked pretty flat in the bars. We've always said from the beginning of the season that it would take some time for Sari's methods to um, kind of embed in the team. I also kind of mentioned last week that perhaps the result in the first two games were kind of they were showing Lazio in a better light than what they were. And ultimately, Lazio were dominated by Milan in the game in the league over the last weekend. It was a very impressive performance from the Rossoneri. But in in large, in equal amounts, you could say that uh, Lazio didn't quite show up on the day. And uh, ultimately, the midfield was bossed and they didn't create that many chances. Since I'd like to mention XG stats, Lazio only had a 0.3 XG in that game, whereas Milan had a Free XG considering the penalty that was missed by Frank Kessie. So uh, Lazio really need to... It will take some time to uh, understand what Sari wants from them. But this performance in Turkey was probably will probably be best remembered for uh, the amazing goal that uh, that was scored. Um, yeah. I, wow. I don't know if either of you want to describe it, but it, it was something else. And I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, so it was. I think it was a Chadbeer who tried to clear it, completely miscued the clearance that it went sort of flying up into the air. And then Strakosha did, uh, he did his best to impersonate, I think it was Paul Lopez in the, the Rome Derby a couple of, uh, a couple of seasons ago, uh, and managed to throw the ball into his own net. I can only hope, I can, I really hope that he just lost the ball in the floodlights or something. But I mean, wow. Um, in Italian, there's a there's a word paperata, which is uh, invented for this uh, for this very scene. It was just like uh, just I mean, it was almost Benny Hill like. And uh, this seems to be a, a a trait that is associated with uh, keepers in the in Rome because Mauro Goicochea of the, of Uruguay did pretty much the same thing when he was playing for Rome in uh, in the early part of the 2010s. You should check this video out on YouTube because it's just as funny as the Strakosha one. Yeah, and another blow to Lazio after obviously a defeat against Milan and then Sarri getting himself sent off at the end of that game for his uh, remarks towards, was it Salamakas? Yeah, yeah. apparently Salamakas went past the bench and said something and then Sarri remonstrated against him and Salamakas did this kind of hip-hop pose, check this guy out or who the hell is this old man? And uh, Sari did not seem to appreciate that at all and went off on one. And then once he was sent off, he, he um, apparently was blasphemous against the referee as well. So he's got himself uh, too much ban as a result. Uh, very, very silly, but very funny. Yeah, but Kenny, you, you mentioned briefly, uh, obviously, we, we talked about Napoli playing very well and uh, Roma getting their 5-1. Um, do, do you think we've maybe underestimated these two teams domestically a little bit? Gary Lineker tweeting after the Leicester game. 
that he thinks Napoli are in with a shout of the title certainly weren't really on our radar as title contenders, were they? No, I, I didn't. I have to be honest and say that I, I, I probably still don't think Roma are, are title contenders, but Napoli, I think... I don't know. They're they're the team that have impressed me the most out of the the teams that have brought in sort of new new managers. I think that's now thirteen games unbeaten uh, in competitive matches, and that's obviously uh, again in Italy they they have a saying that that thirteen is lucky if you have it. Um, so <laughs> Napoli will be probably quite confident going into going into the weekend. Uh, but yeah, they just look so good, uh, and Spalletti's really got them firing on, on all cylinders. And to watch Insigne as well, we've already I've already talked a bit about um, Aussie men, but to watch Insigne uh, the other night uh, against Leicester, just like his work rate was absolutely sensational. And being the smallest man in the park, putting in some defensive covering runs and last ditch tackles like he did. Uh, and then being instrumental in uh, at the other end of the pitch as well. Uh, and has to be said, Boaz pointed out a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if it was on one of the episodes or if it was on uh, or if it was just in our, our WhatsApp chat. But Anguissa looks like an absolute bargain. I think it's a few hundred thousand on loan with the option to buy for 15 million or something. Uh, but he looks really, really impressive as well. Koulibaly is look back to his best he's just got them just absolutely on song um Roma I don't want to discredit that I think some of their results they've kind of got perhaps a little bit lucky I mean the Sassuolo game taking it right to the death like that um the first game obviously as well um against Fiorentina you know Kenny when it's a Mourinho team it's not lucky it's the game plan (laughs) yeah well the the game plan was for for them to score in the last minute. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. But, I mean, uh, Fiorentina with Dragovski coming out and in like the 12th minute or something and getting himself sent off and then taking until well into that game to kind of, um, you know, put the game beyond uh, Fiorentina as well. I'm not convinced that Roma are, are title contenders. They might well figure in the Champions League qualifying race. Um, but Napoli, I think maybe we have, um, yeah, kind of overlooked them a little bit. They look really, really good to me. Perhaps, do you want to give Roma some praise? Because I, I personally am finding it difficult. So, first of all, I want to say that much like we said a few episodes ago, that perhaps the uh, what Roma lacked was a manager in the style of Mourinho. It is perhaps uh, equal to say that Napoli needed someone like Spalletti. And, and with the players at his disposal... He's able to play exactly the kind of football that uh, he dreams of at night. By the way, Spalletti is a very strange man. I've said this on past episodes, but his social media <laughs> presence is something else. and He's, he's a, a lovable weirdo, but a fantastic coach. And uh, I think perhaps with the exception of the left-back role, the, the squad is very complete and they didn't lose anyone partly because of the pandemic, but also because this is kind of a consolidation of, of this cycle. Special praise has to go out for uh, KK Koulibaly, who um, Kenny mentioned earlier, but who's back to his best and clearly one of the best centre-halves in uh, Italy for sure, if not Europe. And uh, of course, his goal was uh, what ultimately gave them the victory against Juventus in on the, on the weekend. But besides that, he was also imperious in, at the back and he's, uh, it, it bodes well for Napoletani all over. Right. So you're going to make me uh, give... 
kudos to Mourinho. <laughs> I mean, if you, I'm happy Nicely to sidestepped, Boaz. <laughs> I've been. I'll jump in. I've been very impressed by uh, Roma's Mourinho. Less so for the the play, but more for the the spirit shown by the players. The the fact that there seems to be he seems to have built that um, camaraderie that maybe was mi- missing in his last couple of roles. The players, by by all accounts, seem to want to play for him and want to jump through a wall for him, which is reminiscent of his Inter side. Of course, it's it's all fine and dandy to uh, praise your coach when you've won six games in a row. And uh, this maybe will be up for appraisal once um, the calendar gets a little bit harder for them. But so far, I think his uh, his whole demeanor, everything about Mourinho has been a lot of fun so far this season. So I'm loving yeah. it. Yeah. I, I would probably also. I mean, I was loving it six games in at Spurs as well. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna revise my opinion yet, but I'm open to changing. You won't it. get fooled again. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I'm open to changing it, but it's gonna take more than that to fool me again. All right. Let, let's talk about arguably the game of the weekend. Well, definitely the game of the weekend, really, isn't it? Juve Milan on oh, yeah. a Saturday night. Sort of contrasting moods in the camps as they head into this weekend's game. Obviously, Juve having a very disappointing start to the season. Milan, I think, still got a perfect record, have they, Buzz? Yeah. One of the three yep. teams with a perfect record. Uh, yeah, how are you kind of feeling heading into this one? Obviously, coming off the back of a good win against Lazio, what are you expecting from this game? I think uh, Milan probably spent a lot of uh, energy on both travelling and, of course, in the game against Liverpool, where initially, at least, it looked like Liverpool were going to bulldozer the Milan defence. From a calendar perspective, I, I mentioned it last week, but th- this set of games, Lazio, Liverpool, Juve, probably is not ideal. Having said that, I think uh, Milan are playing some great football at the moment, particularly in the league. The players are fairly interchangeable. And even though uh, Zlatan will definitely be out with uh, unknown injury, which is quite unfortunate it, for the first time ever, we heard Zlatan speak like a human being when he he said yeah. that I'm not Superman anymore, which yeah. kind of broke my heart because I, I like Zlatan's alter ego on social media. But um, And with Giroud also supposedly missing with a back injury, uh, Milan are going to have to rely on Rebic and Leao again, um, who have both been impressive in the last two seasons and particularly impressive this season. And so I mean, I, I don't have any fear before this game. Having said that, Kenny said before the Napoli-Juve game last week that eventually Juventus were going to have to come good. And I honestly hope that this is not the game where that happens. Chiesa was rested in the Napoli game and also in the game in Europe. And he's back. And uh, those of us who remember, uh, he he really tormented uh, Theo Hernandez last year and scored a wonder goal in this fixture. So, I thought uh, you said Chiesa's been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Has he? Yeah, but rested makes <laughs> makes a lot more sense. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so he, so Keza will be back, and uh, we'll... <laughs> yeah, Keza will be back, but it still looks like uh, both Latan and Giroud are going to be out for me then, right? Definitely, Latan and Giroud will Giroud will be on the bench, but uh, it's uncertain how much of a how much of a how much he will participate. And how big in the terms of the title race do we think this game is, Kenny? It's obviously early in the season. But if you say if you they lose here, they're really, really dropping off the pace, aren't they? Yeah, uh, that, that's the thing. I think this is the first game, and it might sound ridiculous to say it four games into into a season, <laughs> but this is the first game that could potentially have implications on the sort of uh, 
title race and the Champions League race at the end. Um, normally, the way football works is that uh, that narrative gets ripped up, and there's like a, a surprise result, and and Juve would, um, well, a surprise result. Juve are, are at home, so you know you would you would expect them to to be favourites going into it. But if they do, if Milan can get uh, all three points, then Juve would be eleven points behind them, and eleven points at any time of the season is a long a long way back, really. Um, I don't think it's what Juve's uh, board had in mind when they brought Allegri back. I have to say as well that I I don't think that Juve's season would be over. You know, I think I still think Allegri. I mean, Allegri will turn it around. I hope it's not over after four games. Exactly, <laughs> but I mean, it's a it, it's a very very long way back. Yeah, and it, for sure. I, again, if uh, if you've got teams like Napoli picking up full points uh, as well and Roma on this this run with Mourinho Inter have only dropped two points um, so you know it, it's one thing I've said this before it's one thing to make up a big gap on one team but uh, to make up to, to start with you know 11 points behind and nine points behind all of those team would be very very difficult to to see how they enter into the the title scenario the other thing I guess to mention is the similarities of um, or, or the the contrasting situations of the two clubs? Uh, Milan obviously have had their dark clouds before with the financial situation and uh, the team performing well below expectations and well below what they should be given the the, the amount spent was spent on the mm. on the squads over the years. Juve released their financial results uh, either today or, or yesterday as we record. Uh, and uh, I think I, I might be wrong, but I think I'm right in saying that it's the biggest loss ever reported by an Italian club. Boaz, you Correct. you were across that, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of um, in the bigger picture, kind of quite worrying. It is definitely quite worrying, but I guess we should just caveat that by saying they're reporting the results for a year which was in which we had a pandemic. Most clubs reported a loss, and the club with the biggest revenues in. Italy, Juve, likely to have the biggest losses when those things go away and the costs obviously remain higher. That's true, but we are still at 50% capacity in the stadiums. We don't know what's going to happen with pandemic waves throughout the winter. It could be that the Italian season gets played in front of 50% capacities. It could be that there's another season of of, uh, like heavy losses on top of that. And so, you know... (laughs) Yeah, one bad season, fair enough, but it yeah. comes back to this thing that we were saying about the Super League. Clubs are spending <laughs> yeah. beyond their means. They have to cut their cloth accordingly, and you would think that if there is another season like that, there's going to be a fire sale at the end of it because they're going to have to do something to address it. Sure. And a few stats about this uh, game. Milan are the team that uh, Juventus have lost most games against in Serie A ever, and also the team that they've drawn against the most. Still, they've won more games than they've lost, so there's that in their credit. If Juve were not to win this game, um, this would only be the fourth time in their history that they don't win in any of their first uh, four games of the season. If they lose this game, it would be the first time in their history that they don't that they lose three out of the first four games in the season. And in contrast, uh, this if Milan were to win this game, it would be only the second time, only the third time that they win their first uh, four matches in the season. Once with Fabio Capello in 95-96 and once with Stefano Pioli last year. I should also say that uh, pot favourite Paolo Di Bala scored uh, five goals against um, Milan 
at the stadium uh, his favorite uh, target in at in the home stadium i should also say that zlatan ibrahimovic who unfortunately won't play here the st- the alliance stadium is uh, one of the only two stadiums where he has played more than two games and hasn't scored in there you go so plenty of narrative going into that game this yeah. weekend um we should just do a quick round up of uh, the narrative across the other games which we, we or across the other teams that we won't get a chance to talk about in detail um first of all to speak about venezia who sprung a surprise last weekend being empoli 2-1 and thanks to us thanks yeah exactly thanks to us <laughs> for getting the guest on um and up next for the arancio neraverdi it's spezia at home on sunday uh, while Empoli will be facing Sampdoria at home. Sampdoria, who twice came from behind to draw 2-2 against Inter last weekend. Didn't get a chance to talk about that surprise result. And this weekend, Inter are going to be facing Bologna at home uh, in the early evening Saturday kickoff. Fiorentina also have been reaffirming their growth under Italiano. It's been called a secret rebel base by some with a, an impressive victory <laughs> in a great game in Bergamo last weekend. Atalanta obviously looking to get their... Domestic season back on track after the European trip with a trip to face Salernitana and um, the Viola take on Genoa away in the early afternoon kickoff on Saturday. And finally, Lazio, who are looking to bounce back from their disappointment in Milan and in Istanbul uh, when they take on Cagliari on Sunday. And the Sardinians let a two goals lead slip at home to Genoa last weekend, who ran out 3 2 winners. And on the note of Cagliari, they've parted ways with their manager Simplici in the wake of that result. And just one final managerial departure to mention as Verona removed Baz's good old friend Di Francesco and replaced him with the seventh English king, Igor Tudor. <laughs> so with that roundup out Nicely of the way... Nicely wrapped up, Oscar. Thank you, thank you. If you look at Eusebio Di Francesco's career in reverse, it's an amazing career because... If he he started <laughs> off by beating Barcelona with this incredible oh, sorry he started off by getting Sassuolo into Europe in sixth spot then he manages Roma and he gets them to beat Barcelona in this incredible comeback and ever since then it's just been a disaster yeah not been good yeah but we, what we should decide on is who's had a good week and who's had a bad week for the good week bad week section let's do it yeah there are a few candidates for good week especially. Oh, we've talked about Napoli and Roma as potential title contenders off the back of obviously both having pretty good weeks. Fiorentina could also be a candidate. Where's your vote going, Kenny? Yeah, uh, so you would think Roma, given that they'd, they've won their two games. Uh, but I mean, I think, and, and Fiorentina as well, it has to be said, were absolutely excellent in Bergamo. It was a great game, that one. Uh could have gone either way, really. I just feel like the difference in it was that one side got two penalties and one side got got one penalty. But for me, it's going to be Napoli. Just that result against Juve. And again, that was coming from behind, um, showing real uh, sort of uh, guts and spirit to, to come back. And then uh, to play Leicester off the park, be unfortunately be down 2-0 um, because of two breakaway goals and to to bring that back and to just kind of never look like they were going to give up uh, yeah it's, it's Napoli for me I think Napoli have been the most impressive side this week yep I'm leaning towards Napoli as well any last protest for us before we give it to Napoli 
I think considering the opposition Napoli played, it definitely has to go to Napoli. While Roma had a stellar week, they did play uh, Sassuolo and CSK Moscow. CSK Sofia, sorry, and also, and they didn't necessarily deserve to win against uh, Sassuolo. So uh, on the basis of the, the football on display, I'm giving it to Napoli for sure. Good stuff. And what do you think about bad week? As Lazio, obviously, who you uh, discussed earlier in the episode, definite candidate. Maybe Inter. Any uh, anyone else spring to mind? I mean, you have to. We have to mention Cagliari again because they did let uh, a lead slip at home to Genoa, who are kind of a non-entity club. And so, I mean, I I, I, I would stick them in there, but it's a bit harsh. I mean, okay, Genoa are kind of this club that floats around and doesn't any, never does anything productive, and the signings Hang don't on. make any sense. Hang on, Buzz. Let me check if we've got any listeners from Genoa before you can. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a strange little club, and I don't, I just don't understand their purpose in life. Much like I don't understand a few other clubs. So for that alone, and and yet they won. So, but I think Lazio, it has to go to Lazio because of their disastrous performance in Milan, and then this ridiculous goal they conceded in um, Istanbul, and also their uh, their female side didn't do too well. So more about that later. Okay. There we go. Happy with Lazio, can you? Happy with Lazio, yeah. Or or unhappy with Lazio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But happy with Lazio getting happy bad week. Good stuff. Um, all right, uh, Boaz, keeping up with the Italians ought to be a very short section this week, I'd imagine, since next week there are no European games due to the mid-round. Well, not due to, but there is a mid-round week of uh, Serie A games. So I'm going to do this uh, rapid-fire keeping up with the Italians. We have uh, young Martin Montipo, who is an Italian playing in the Icelandic second division, and he scored the winner in for his club Vestri Knatspian to eliminate the national champions Valur Futboli in the semi-final of the cup over there. So credit to him. Elsewhere, Andrea Bertolucci, a player who Milan once deemed uh, worthy of spending twenty million on, scored a brace for Fatih Karamazguruk in Turkey. Sorry if I'm butchering that. Uh, a club who is managed by Francesco Farioli, by the way. And uh, staying with Italian managers abroad, we have Massimo Ficadenti, who managed to qualify Nagoma Grampus to the quarterfinals of the AFC Champions League. And uh, lastly, this is kind of a shock honorable mention, but uh, Matteo Mazzone of Wolfsburg in Germany scored off the kickoff in the Bundesliga under-17 game against Hertha Zechlendorf. And uh, I'm going to give him an honorable for the cheek of it. Lovely. Well, you've got us started with the honourables and I'll hand over to you, Kenny, because you've got a milestone honourable. Yeah, well, it's actually an honourable for milestones, really. Um, it's not our 1,000th honourable mention <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, but yes, well, yes. It might be, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my um, people to check. <laughs> Uh, right, so yeah, Bernardeschi for reaching 150 appearances for Juve, uh, Insigne for reaching 400 appearances for Napoli, and Mourinho, who, as mentioned, uh, reached a thousand games in uh, in management. And also, while I'm here, we were intending to give Strakosha an early dishonorable. I don't know if we actually did, but if we did, just to reaffirm for that awful mistake, we did. Yeah, it gets a double. <laughs> yeah, it might be worth a double. Yeah, and Buzz, this is. Oh, no, this is not a dishonorable, actually. This is an honorable for disobedience. This seems to be a 
particularly Mourinho heavy episode, but uh, I'm giving a honorable for Roma defender Mancini, who uh, when Roma were leading 3-1 asked uh, Mourinho, shall I go up for this corner? And Mourinho said, no, stay back. And then he legged it all the way up the pitch and managed to score (laughs) and ran to hug the coach who was cracking up. So it's all fun and games at Roma right now. Yeah. Um, While we're on the the manager's mentions, Kenny, you've got an an honourable for Spalletti. Yeah, and while we're on the the fun and games as well, this is for uh, Spalletti's uh, post-match conference after his post-match spat with uh, Allegri in that game. Um, who he seemed genuinely bewildered in the press conference as to why Allegri uh, had a problem with him uh, and then eventually just kind of got fed up with the, the questions. And basically, I mean, I'm kind of uh, translating roughly, but um, basically just got fed up and went, I'm always lost for fuck's sake. The one time I beat him, he has to give me a moral lecture. Uh, and yeah. Cue, cue laughter from the from the journalists, but it was a it was a wonderful moment. So yeah, honourable for Spalletti. Lovely. I've got a nice uh, amusing honourable as well. I saw somebody tweeting a picture. I forget which account it was, so so sorry about that. But a picture of Jorginho playing for Chelsea, and you could just see the uh, Azzurri shin pads showing through the white Chelsea socks with the Italian nice. flag on. Um, so an honourable for Ballon d'Or winner and European champion. Jorginho. Yeah, where's his heart on his shin, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> Boaz, you, speaking of hearts, you've got uh, an honourable for Valentina. Giacinti. Yeah, yeah, I can't say that. Giacinti. Yes, um, while Milan's uh, 2-0 victory against Sarri's Lazio was, was rather impressive, the Milan Feminile 8-1 victory against Lazio Feminile was much more ex- impressive. And uh, Valentina Giacinti helped herself to a pocket, as they say in Italy, which is four goals. So, uh, honourable mention to her. Yeah, and on the goals honourables, Kenny, it's time for the uh, obligatory goals honourable. Yeah, going to fire through these ones quickly. So, I'm giving an honourable to Ossiman for the first goal against Leicester. Just unbelievable. Uh, the, the move leading up to the goal was was wonderful. Uh, really intricate, sort of quick passing. Uh, and then just, yeah. Just wonderful first touch, lifting it over a defender and then poking it over Schmeichel as he came out. Uh, one for Leal for Milan's first against Lazio. Uh, yeah, just like mazy run. And then when you thought sometimes players kind of get this urge to try and score the wonder goal, he kind of played the ball sideways and then was there to receive the return pass to, to tuck it in. Just a, a beautiful goal. Um, El Sharawi, we've got to for Roma's 91st minute winner against Sassuolo just an incredible strike at the death um, and Okereke for v- Venezia's second against Empoli it's another another long dribble mazy run uh, had three Empoli defenders run to about one point uh, just outside the box and then as if he hadn't run three quarters of the length of the pitch, just coolly dispatched the ball into the bottom corner. And finally for Augello for uh, another fantastic uh, volley. And yeah, uh, for Samdari against the Inter. And uh, we're, we're not sure if he was uh, an Inter fan as a boy. but He's a Milan he fan. He was a Milan fan, right. A Milan fan as a boy. So he probably would have enjoyed that uh, all the more in that case. Make sure to look those up. Uh, and Boaz, you've got... Is this your last honourable? Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to keep going until you guys switch me off. Okay. <laughs> I thought the rest were dishonourables, but could be wrong. I, anyway, one sure. for Maratti. 
Massimo Moratti is the former Inter president and uh, an ad- walking advert for dental hygiene. And uh, he <laughs> donated his um, entire salary from his petrol company, Saras, to the, the workers who had been forced to go into unemployment due to COVID. So that's a really nice gesture. And it kind of apparently makes sure that they can keep afloat in this really difficult period. Yeah, and uh, I've got a serious and uh, quite a sad dishonourable I have to give to Lazio and Atalanta fans for the racist chance that aimed at Bakayoko and Vlaovic. Just clear dishonourable. Yeah, shame. Oh, yeah. The shame. The shame. Um, and to lighten the mood though, Baz, we've got a, an honourable or a dishonourable for a cheeky Mihailovic. Yeah, this is an honourable for one of our favourite coaches, Sinisa Mohailovic, who was uh, being interviewed before the Inter game on the weekend. And uh, the, he was asked, you know, you, you've kept two clean sheets in a row and you, you have a hard game ahead of you against Inter. And he interrupted the, the journalist. And he's like, a hard game for us or for Inter? And uh, that also Ooh. garnered laughs all around. Kenny, you wanted to give an honourable to uh, Diego Melito for his comments on Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, yeah. So this was just before the Real Madrid uh, game. He was being interviewed by the Gazzetta and uh, revealed that he very almost moved to to Real, but that he, he couldn't bring himself to, to leave San Siro, basically. Uh, but yes, kind of telling it like it is really uh, on, on Lukaku's departure from Inter. He said, there's something you should never do. Promise something you can't deliver. It's fine for a player like him who gave so much to, to choose to go elsewhere but the fans feel let down because of the declarations of love that he made. And uh, yeah, I think fair point. Yeah, certainly we feel let down on this podcast. We can't uh, watch him as regularly. Um, I wanted to just give another dishonorable to the inter-social media team. Let, let me just read you a little bit of the, the way that they chose to announce their third kit. We are often distanced by culture, by generation, or simply because we're divided by borders. There is no distance we Nerazzurri cannot close because we are brothers and sisters of the world. <laughs> brothers and nonsense. sisters of the world. That is a clear dishonorable. Uh, I don't think I need to say more. This is marketing by AI. <laughs> it must be a robot. <laughs> okay. Well, as my brother of the world, would you like to give us the last honorable mention? Yeah, this is an honorable mention for um, Fiorentina's reserve keeper, Pieter, Pietro Tracciano. Fiorentina were having this um, fan call-in during after their official uh, interviews before the games, and uh, Vincenzo Italiano was being interviewed, and Pietro Terracciano called in and asked if he was going to start the game on the weekend, to which uh, <laughs> Italiano jokingly said, uh, no, and I'm not even going to call you up now. <laughs> Cheeky, honorable. See you, see you in my office on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah, it's all smiles in front of the cameras, but someone's <laughs> going to get a bollocking. <laughs> nice yeah just like us anyway that's all we have time for this week um if you don't already please do subscribe to our podcast on spotify or app podcasts or wherever you get your audio we'll speak to you again next week until then enjoy the football Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.